Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for Friday, July the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips? And as you know, we were revolution we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth by the way it's a freedom loving faith-filled fantastic we're taking america back one heart one mind one issue at a time friday and better than that ladies and gentlemen we're live at freedom fest baby it's one of the great annual liberty loving traditions that we like to be part of because it's one of the most epic it's one of the largest gathering of liberty-minded people in the world people come from all over the country i was on an interview yesterday with some people from australia even it's that big tnt radio and they wanted to have me on to talk about the press conference we did with for the cspoa i get a chance to talk a little bit more about loving liberty internationally you gotta dig that lovingliberty.net our syndicated radio network that syndicates us and kate dowley and beth schonenberg and uh, many other incredible talk shows but that's all available at lovingliberty.net spread the word share the love uh, anyway, Freedom Fest is fantastic, and there's people all over the country, all over the world gathering for this epic opportunity to rub shoulders, to make friends, to create collaborative opportunities for everybody. It's just amazing. So that's going on. Uh, and um, let's see. I'm trying to think. We, we all came into town. It's been a little bit of an epic transitionary reality. We had the incredible event with the CSPOA, though, that was on the 12th. It was our press conference. Uh, talking about election fraud, vote fraud. Um, I didn't want to call it campaign fraud, just fraud in general, if you will, but all related to elections and, and that kind of stuff. We worked with True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht, uh, and Greg Phillips were there. A bunch of constitutional sheriffs were there. Sheriff Richard Mack conducted the first session of the press conference, and then everybody had lunch. I conducted the second session of the conference. We had speaker after speaker telling the tale of liberty, calling a halt to the con game, exposing fraud and standing for liberty. Uh, and it was just great. Uh, I kicked it off second um, section right after lunch. Uh, and I introduced Mike Lindell and a bunch of other people. We had just a phenomenal time. It was an incredible success. The room was packed. Uh, we had over 350 people at the event. We fed 320 people. I didn't get a chance to eat because I was so busy taking care of business. Anyway, it was just phenomenal. So we did all that. The press conference was tremendous. Um, we fed the live press conference um, to the Brighteon TV network, also to the Lindell TV network. Frankspeech.com is what that's called. So both of those organizations, we recorded it. We had tremendous video, which we're rendering and getting ready for links so that people can watch it who missed the conference. But I'm telling you, it was a barn burner conference. The New York Times lady was there. Um, Reuters News was there as well. I'm just telling you, it was something to behold. And the New York Times lady is just, man, these people are a piece of work. I don't know how to be, how do you be civil, but yet tell you what you think about them? It's hard to do. It's a, it's a hard, fine line to balance. Um, but she started out with everybody friendly enough. But as she continued with her questions, you could tell that she did not really want to get the who, what, when, where, why of a story uh, like she should. 
Okay, she's not really a reporter to get the facts of a story and report the truth and report what we're doing. She had an, an agenda, a bender, so to speak, to focus on. Anyway, we'll talk about all that coming up. For now, we got two incredible guests in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. Live from Freedom Fest, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio, LovingLiberty.net with Kathy Smith, president of the Loving Liberty Networks. Welcome back, Kathy. Good morning, Sam. What do you think? You came in on the uh, evening flight. All was well, right? All was well. We're here at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. I kind of came kicking and screaming, but I'm sure glad I'm here. So great to be with people who love liberty like we do, and they're inspiring to me. They have got great stories. They love to hear what we're doing, and I love to hear what they're doing. We are here, CSPOA's next to us, our partner organization. Uh, but Loving Liberty, you guys uh, had the booth already last night, ready to go, and you already met a bunch of people and got a chance to uh, chat with folks coming by. They have an evening, what is it, a Wednesday evening kind of kickoff for the booths, and a bunch of people came by. How'd that go? That's right. Yeah, we were really thrilled to reconnect with people we met last year. Um, should we tell them the story about rescuing Simon Lee and his son off the top of Mount Rushmore. Well, not the top of Mount Rushmore. That's a fun story. way up, right? Yeah. 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 Tell the story. It's so worth it. last year when we went to Rapid City, that was our first time that Loving Liberty Network went to Freedom Fest, participated. Anyway, as a side trip, we went to Mount Rushmore. Everyone should see that wonderful place. And we were the last people to leave. But as we were leaving, we noticed two gentlemen from... Um, two Chinese gentlemen talking to the National Park Service guy, and they were obviously in some distress. So we found out that they had missed their tour bus that would take them back to Rapid City. And so we invited them to just pile in with us um, in our little four-door sedan and, and rescued them from Mount Rushmore. So anyway... It, it was the beginning of a great friendship. I really admire Simon Lee. His purpose and his mission is to stop the Chinese Communist Party. Boy, how did we agree with the mission, right? Exactly. Yep. We well, went to dinner with Simon last night, and yeah. What a, oh, good for you a guys. brave guy. Yeah. All right. The other thing to note, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason they reached out to Simon and when they found them in distress as well is because you guys are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important component, Kathy. Well, it. They would have done the same for us. They would have done the same thing for us. I mean, how, how do you not help? It was, it was just an opportunity for us to help. But I had just read Simon Lee's story in the Epic Times. And so here we're all piled in this little car together. And he introduces himself. I said, Simon Lee, I just read your story. So, you know, I think the Lord puts people together. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Amen to that. People helping people, that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. And look, you know, they want to tell you that we all have these racial divides or that it's a white man's world or all this kind of stuff. That's not the real world, Kathy. It's I agree. The, it's the made-up divisionary world they create to try to divide us. But it isn't the world that I live in. It's not the world I live in at all. I think it's a very tiny sliver of reality. It's, it's, it's not a reality. It's not the real world. We live in the real world of people who care about each other, people who help each other, people who love this country. They love their country and their God and their families, and they just want to be left alone to prosper and and bless their communities. All right. Now, the other thing, any other tidbits from yesterday when you met a bunch of people? 
Yes, and a very exciting thing. Almost everyone we met at our booth, when we told them about our new show, Ask an Immigrant, they were excited about that. Everyone either is an immigrant, knows an immigrant. Um, they're children of immigrants or grandchildren exactly, of immigrants, right? Exactly, or their neighbors are immigrants. So we're looking forward to interviewing a lot of people who tell us, who can tell us why they came to the United States what they love about this country, and if they had a minute to tell Americans one thing, what would that be? So Ooh. it's a great show. It's a great. And when show. you say what would that be, what have you heard? Well, I, I think first and foremost, appreciate what you have, your liberties, your opportunities for prosperity, your freedoms that they didn't have wherever they came from. And the reason I ask that question is because it's universal almost that they say that, and they actually appreciate it much more than a lot of us who take it for granted. Absolutely. Those of us who grew up with it and maybe have lived here our whole lives and never traveled to any other country, yeah, they, they have great advice for Americans. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's so much going to go on at Freedom Fest. There's a lot happening today. Uh, the Loving Liberty Radio Networks and Loving Liberty Networks have a booth here. We're a great spot booth as well, Kathy. Yeah, we are. People can't help but walk past us and stop and get a pocket constitution. We've got a new um, book that we're promoting by our friends Bill Norton and Jeremy Nelson called Behind the Bill of Rights. Fantastic. You can get it at nccs.net or any of your booksellers. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Behind the Bill of Rights. Timely, be timely release. And Behind the Bill of Rights is kind of a case in point of why the founders felt like it was so necessary and kind of the fundamental understanding of our God-given liberties behind it, right? Exactly. All right, folks, you got to like that. Come and check out that book. You can get a free copy of the Constitution. You can check out the different shows on the Loving Liberty Radio Networks. And I'm going to be uh, doing a bunch of interviews. Kate Daly is going to have her live show coming up here soon. So we got a lot of things going on. We also, um, behind the scenes a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, it's a little bit of a <laughs> crazy time sometimes getting everything in order to be live and to do all that we do. Kathy, it's a long story, but what happened is we were told, I thought we would have a hard line to the Internet, which is what you need to broadcast. And then when we got here, it wasn't here. And then I called them. And they're like, oh, no, you didn't have one. You just had Wi-Fi. And we're like, oh, no, I hope that works. Anyway, I don't know what happened, but magically we come here today, and there's an excellent hard line to the Internet. Uh, it's all happening. I told Kate Daly about that. Everybody's excited, and it's working great. Oh, my gosh, Sam, really? I don't know how that happened. I'm just telling you. I don't know how that happened either. And I and I sure pray they don't charge us a million dollars. They won't. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm just telling you, miracles are coming on. Everywhere I turn, I just, something is like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And then before you know it, there's a solution. There's an answer. People are working hard. Everybody's running around. Everybody's cheerful, having a great time. Um, I don't know if you can hear the background noise, but there's a, a, already a big crowd, and it's early in the morning, Kathy. It is, and you and your team are solutions guys. We try to be. One of the many things I admire about you, so thank you. And by the way, one of the solutions is the Freedom Fest, meaning people getting together, learning about one another, collaborating, working together, helping each other with their causes. Um, there's an interesting booth over here that I want to pick your brain on, Kathy. Okay. I don't know if you saw it, but it's a booth that wants to legalize sex work. Oh, really? It's right over there, right across from us. It's just okay. like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm asking you about this is morally, obviously, we think that their uh, acts are immoral. 
and, and I wouldn't support it at all. On the other hand, though, you can't legislate morality. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that I'm really for the government clamping down and getting in the middle of people's affairs and whatever. And, you know, you get a little bit of the libertarian clashing with kind of our morality discussions. That's why I always say I kind of am a libertarian with morals because on one hand I understand. On the other hand, you can't legislate morality. On the other hand, I always believe there's a God-given moral component there. How much you can force that becomes the debate. Very interesting booth, though, and brings up serious discussions about liberty and what we should stand for. And if you're not careful, it kind of becomes a boomerang. You know, you, you, you legislate somebody else, and pretty soon it comes your turn. So your thoughts. Wow. Well, it makes me think of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, where that discussion is turned back to the states where it rightfully belongs there are a lot of moral issues that should be turned back to the people with a call for them to be us to be more moral people that yes, we would we I would agree. need all of this legislation but because men are not angels we need laws and we need government but maybe we should just try more to be. Yeah, and there's angel. a balance there. And that's why we're taught in a lot of scripture that, you know what? The word of God teaching the principles of liberty, which means the principles of Jesus Christ, that's more powerful than the sword. And, and I bring that up because that's more powerful than legislation as well. I think what we need to do is teach the principles and be ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ and be on the Lord's errand and, and let our, our arguments for morality prevail. That, that's where I think we can have the biggest influence and make the biggest difference. I agree. I agree. If we could turn people's hearts to Jesus Christ and mor the morality would naturally follow. Amen to that. Well, Kathy, it's nice seeing you here. It's nice being part of everything. And what I want to do is interview you next week sometime and get kind of a post-op summary uh, of what you thought of Freedom Fest and, and, and kind of what transpires uh, as we run the booth really all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And you get a whole, you know, event experience, then I want to get you back and get kind of a summary of your thoughts and, and experiences and what you felt mattered most. Okay, that'd be great. Does that sound we, good? Yeah, we, we love our allies that are on our website, lovingliberty.net. Um, one of our allied organizations is Moms for America. They're here with us at our booth, too. 500,000 moms strong now around yeah, the country. Yeah, buddy. So they're doing great things, and yeah, it's just fun to meet new people, reconnect with old friends, and we just... Love it. I jokingly call those moms the kitchen militia, Kathy. <laughs> the kitchen militia. I love it. Absolutely. Because <laughs> they, you know what? They're serious about what they do, and they're involved in it. You know, um, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and it's really important to put moms at the center of that. Um, you know, it's, it's been taught by many of great thinkers that, you know what? Moms matter most. You know, they're, they're not only just a mom, but they influence their husbands. They influence their children. Uh, they work together and influence neighbors and whole neighborhoods and virtually uh, not only the family, the fundamentally of society, but communities that are downstream. I mean, the list goes on and on of the impact of a righteous woman and mother. Amen. And I want to bring this up because Loving Liberty Networks is not only radio, but it's more than that, folks, because there's a network of women uh, that lead this organization. Uh, you guys got a, a, a curriculum for mothers and a whole lot more. There's a huge women component to this that I think is justly needed. I agree. Loving Liberty, needed. Loving Liberty ladies, come visit us on our website, lovingliberty.net. All right, Kathy, we appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Sam.
Kathy Smith, ladies and gentlemen, LovingLiberty.net. Check it out. And this is Liberty Roundtable Live. Back with you live, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman on your radio, live from Freedom Fest at LovingLiberty.net booth. There's people all around. We're having a fantastic time, food festivities and fun at Freedom Fest. Fantastic, liberty-oriented people everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. But I've got one of my favorite people in front of me. Now, listen, I'm a foodie, ladies and gentlemen. I love food. And this lady knows how to cook like nobody's business. She's got multi, or many talents, I should say. She's multi-talented. And she, she's not only a caterer, and she does tremendous catering, but she's also the assist, executive assistant at LovingLiberty.net. I told you that it was a women's-led and ran organization. I'm glad they let guys like me be part of it, by the way. Uh, but she's, she's really uh, the, the executive assistant. And you know what? When all parts are moving and everybody's doing all their things at the, the, the networks, Molly's at the center of it all, holding the fort down, keeping everybody on task. Molly, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Thanks, Sam. It's wonderful to be here. We're excited. This is a fantastic event. All right. I want to know your thoughts coming in. You literally got up super early in the morning, rolled in at like 6 a.m., and then came down. What was your thought as you walked into the um what do you call this thing, an arena? The, the, what do they call this? A convention center, I guess is what it's called. Uh, the convention center for the Freedom Fest. What were your first thoughts as you saw everybody in all the booths? And You know, it always gets my heart racing as I walk down and you walk into a big venue of liberty-loving people. It never ceases to amaze me. You can just feel it. You can feel the energy. You can feel the goodness that is here. It's fantastic. I agree with that. One of the things that always shocks me at Freedom Fest of all places, I go to a lot of Liberty conferences. I mean, all over the country. I've been doing it for years. Okay, I've been at it for, well, last year was the 25th year of National Syndication for Liberty Roundtable Live, to make the point. I've been at it for a long time, three decades or more. And what surprises me and shocks me about Freedom Fest every time I enter the building is how big it is. There's a lot of Liberty events, folks, where you get, you know, one, two, three, four, five hundred people, a thousand people. 1,500 people. This thing has well over 6,000 attendees. You've got hundreds of booths. This thing is not small, Molly. You know, it's awesome. Sometimes when we're in our own little field, sometimes we feel like we're alone. There aren't people that that are out there fighting and doing those things which we want to do and to accomplish. And it's wonderful to come to events like this to boost yourself um, and make yourself feel like you're not alone. You're not alone in this fight. We're in this all together, and it's many pieces of the puzzle, and it's wonderful to collaborate those all in one event. Amen to that. In fact, speaking of you're not alone, not only is this thing big, but it's international in scope, Molly. Check this out. I'm on my way to dinner last night with my buddies. We went to a great Mexican restaurant. It was delicious, by the way. Spicy, just the way I like it. I'm jealous. Anyway, so we went there. And I get this call while we're walking in. And this lady's like, I'm from Australia. And she says, we have this group over here called TNT Radio. The letters TNT Radio. And we're from Australia. And we're wondering if you have time to come on our 24-7 news channel from Freedom Fest and talk about your experiences and talk about the uh, press conference you guys had about election fraud, talk about your press release on the border for the CSPOA. And she says, do you have time to come on the radio with us? We'd love to interview you. And I just thought, these people came from Australia. They're a 
radio network that mirrors around the world on the internet. They're primarily uh, stationed or you know broadcast from Australia, but they've sent their representatives here. They're a sponsor of Freedom Fest, and I thought, man, that just articulates how big this thing really is, Molly. Can you believe that? Oh, that's just amazing. The Loving Liberty Network, we are thrilled to be a part of this worldwide event. So I get to go on this TNT Australian radio network and tell everybody about Loving Liberty. Oh, bring it on. Bring it on. We love, we welcome people from all over the world with open arms. And I'm going to tell them about the Loving Liberty ladies and a whole lot more. It's going to be fantastic. I get to tell them about my show on the Loving Liberty Radio Network. I get to mention Kate Daly coming up, her broadcast live. Uh, anyway, it's, it's phenomenal. All right, as you look around, do you see any booths that kind of uh, impress you or that you kind of go, wow, that's great or not? Or what, what do you think as you look around? Well, first of all, this morning I was setting up our booth, and uh, the CSPOA is right next to us. I cannot promote the CSPOA enough. They are a fantastic organization that really gets to the heart of the county sheriffs and the Constitution and what this uh, great nation was founded upon. And I'm always very impressed with the CSPOA and their organization and their root. They're at the root of what this country is. I, I absolutely love them. All right. So Molly Stratford, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the people that are standing at the Loving Liberty booth right now talking to people as they come by. What are you focusing on the most, uh, Molly? You know, we've partnered with Moms for America. We really believe in their cause. And really, moms getting involved with their children and educating their children about liberty and about the Constitution. There's just nothing greater than teaching that in the home. And uh, they have cottage meetings set up. They're, they're just fantastic. We also, with Loving Liberty, you know, we're all about education. We're all about let's get back to the roots of our Constitution and teach it to our children. If not, it'll be lost. It's only one generation away. So we're about education, no doubt about it, but we're also about this idea that we want to bring people together. Look, we don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. We don't care if you're right or left. We don't care if you're, um, you know, white or any other race or ethnicities. We're all God's children. We want to bring everybody together and teach them the principles of liberty. We want all countries to be great. Maybe again or great for the first time. Doesn't matter. We want greatness under God for every one of his children everywhere. Every country. The principles of liberty. That's the key to the exercise for everyone. We can all redeem ourselves uh, if we turn to Christ. And I don't mean that we redeem ourselves. Jesus Christ does that redemption. But what I'm saying is we can do our part through our education as ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ worldwide to everyone everywhere. You know, Sam, it all starts with civility. It all starts with get to know your neighbors. Get to know your friends. Get to know those people that live around you. And you know what? Let's start there and rebuild this great nation. Hey, Molly, did you know that I created a website called callforcivility.com? I didn't, Sam. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I wrote an article back in 2016, I think it was, and it was it, the title of it was called A Clarion Call for Civility. I do recall that. And the summary of that was basically that, hey, we all need to just set aside this crazy divide on every fault line under the sun, and we need to realize that, look, we can have a disagreement of opinions, but we can agree to disagree agreeably. We can be kind and respect one another regardless, and we, we need to keep talking. That's the genius of America. And when we quit talking, that's when I fear the most because it's like, oh, no, what's next? 
Um, but so I created this clarion call for civility article, and then later I thought this is so important, so I created a pledge online. Anyway, callforcivility.com. Uh, we're really doing our very best to carry out the point you're making. It starts with civility, and at some point maybe there's unity. Uh, but at least civility uh, is the starting point uh, in my mind. We got to keep talking. Thus, the Loving Liberty Talk Radio Network, right? For sure. I just think we're right there with you, Sam. Right along those same lines. Let's bring people together. Let's gather. We haven't, you know, we were forced to not gather. Let's gather. It's the time. It's the time to gather, learn from each other. Everybody has something that they can teach someone else. Now, you're a singer, aren't you? No. No? All right. I thought you were going to sing Come Together for us. <laughs> Come <laughs> together. No? Uh, I think that you would lose listeners if I started singing right now. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, when she's cooking, ladies and gentlemen, when she's doing the catering, it is deliciousness. I'm telling you right now. All right, Molly, we sure appreciate you and all that you do for the sake of Cause of Liberty. Thanks for being with us. I'm hoping to get a quick breakdown from you after the conference as well. I'd love to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Molly Stratford, Executive Assistant, LovingLiberty.net. And this is Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden in the Middle East says he wants to still negotiate a nuclear deal with terror sponsoring Iran. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid on the same stage was blunter. Diplomacy will not stop them. The only thing that will stop Iran is knowing that if they continue to develop their nuclear program, the free world will use Force. Economic growth in China slowed sharply last quarter, with the economy expanding only 0.4% from a year ago. Lockdowns in major cities that lasted much more than three months were to blame, said the communist government. President Trump announced the death of his ex-wife, Ivana. She died in her New York City home and may have fallen down the stairs. USA Radio News. Wendy Bell here for my friends at Swiss America. Did you know the U.S. Constitution authorizes only two forms of legitimate money, gold and silver? That's right. But our government abandoned gold and silver a half century ago. Meanwhile, gold and silver prices have rocketed in recent years due to growing economic uncertainty. So to help my listeners, Swiss America has a very special offer today. Silver Walking Liberty half dollars at the amazing low price of $12.50 each delivered. You heard me right, $12.50. Call now to reserve your silver coins at 800-630-1490. That's 800-630-1490. Silver walking Liberty half dollars for just $12.50 each delivered while supplies last. Put a silver lining in your financial portfolio now by calling 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490. Gasoline prices continue to be too much. Americans are growing increasingly concerned about the rise of gas prices. Senior advisor to President Joe Biden, Gene Sperling, 
explains on Fox News the effort President Biden is taking to keep gas prices lower. The president is still doing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve mm-hmm. uh, release of a million a day. He's encouraging 60 million more from our peers. He is pushing refineries uh, to open up more refinery capacity. He is pushing major gas companies to make sure that when oil prices are down, that is reflected in the pump. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. SpaceX launches a Dragon capsule from Kennedy Space Center, Florida, on Thursday. It has cargo for the International Space Station. Thanks for listening. It's well appreciated. And a TGIF to you, my friend. We are USA Radio News. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman on your radio from Freedom Fest. Having a fantastic time. Hoping you are as well if you're at the Freedom Fest. And if you're not, shame on you. You ought to be here. Either way, though, we'll bring the best of the best to you on Liberty Roundtable Live. That's who we are. That's what we do as we tell the tale of liberty, promoting God, family, and country, protecting life, liberty, and property. Our next guest is an interesting guy. His name is Chase Williams. And he happens to be the host of an incredible new podcast called The TAC Show, T-A-C, The TAC Show. You want to learn more, thetacshow.com is where you can check it out. And one of the interesting things I saw on his website says this, what is a tactical American conversation? That's what we'll talk about now. Welcome, Chase. Thank you very much. I am uh, so glad to be here. It's, uh, it is an honor. Before we get started with the technical conversations, et cetera, just look around you. As you walk into this event, as you look around you, what, what all comes to your mind, Chase? It's overwhelming, isn't it? It really is. When I first came in here yesterday, I didn't know what, uh, what I'd be looking at. But at this point, what I'm looking around at is a lot of friends that I've made. A lot of friends, a lot of people who are putting on the fight for liberty around the nation, around the world, and doing their best to make sure that your freedoms are protected from a legal and from a political perspective. And it's, it's wonderful. When I walked into the room, I realized how big it was because it's massive. You've got to walk forever to get here. And then when you're here, there's just people everywhere. You've got to... There's booths everywhere. It's just huge. But to give me, give you and, and our listeners a real gauge of how big it is, I got a call while I was going to dinner the other day, or last night, I guess it was, and they were from Australian radio, and they're like, hey, can you do an interview with us about the Freedom Fest and about your press conference for the Constitutional Sheriff's Group and all this stuff and the, the election fraud discussion and your, your DVD that you promote called He Who Owns the Media Makes the Rules and your presentations, the new media takes center stage, and can you come talk to us about that? This is Australian radio. They're here. They're interviewing people live on their radio networks. They've got 24-7 radio Australian radio going on right here at a Freedom. And then I realized how big it was, Chase. Yeah, it, it is impressive. We've got uh, Fox Nation over there in the corner doing a live presentation of everything that's going on. So, I mean, it, it, they got some big names and a lot of really cool people to talk to here. It is quite the event, and I uh, highly recommend anyone who has the opportunity to come on. All right, give me a 30-second. Who's Chase? Uh, I am Chase Williams. I am a co-host. Me and my partner do a podcast called The Tac Show. started out as Tactical American Conversations. And the goal of the show was to teach people how to have a conversation tactically a way that would allow you to get your message out, to hear the other person's message, to stop the, the fighting, the divisiveness, and try to help people connect. So by doing wow. that, you're able, you're able to create communities within like your actual community that we feel have fallen apart ever since social media came around. I agree. So I put up a website, and I wrote an article about a call, a clarion call for civility. So call for civility is the website that highlights this, callforcivility.com. But what you're talking about is when you say tactical conversation, Tactical conversations start out with tactful conversations, Yes, right? they do. Yes, they do. And uh, in order to be tactful, you have to be polite. You have to be kind, and you have to be willing to let people say what they need to say, Whoa, even if that. you don't agree. 
right? So someone can come up to you and they can be really angry and telling you all about uh, what they have going on. One story my uh, my co-host likes to talk about is uh, he was having a conversation with an old friend of his who was very uh, not pro gun rights. I'll put it uh, put it mildly. And uh, in the conversation, the person said, "I'm against gun violence." And his response was, "Me too." Well, so am I. <laughs> I mean, what? Right? So am I. Which stopped her, stopped her dead in her tracks. And By the said, way, who in their right mind wouldn't be? Exactly, right? But the media has told everyone that, no, 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 they don't care about children. They, they just want to have their guns so they can go, they can go shoot people. It's, it's their fever dream that they can, they can shoot someone if, uh, if they have their gun rights. And it's like, well, no, it's not. We're not trying to be violent here. We don't like gun violence. We have cried many times on our show talking about the shootings that are happening in schools. It's heartbreaking. No one likes this. Right, but they have divisionary tactics, though. Calling it an assault weapon makes the point. You know what I call those same weapons? In the hands of a good woman, a gun is a rape-me-not. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a rape-me-not. Absolutely. And if it's a guy, it's a don't hurt me, don't take my stuff. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mechanism. And it's, it's something that uh, they just they want to take away because, well, they'd rather control you than... Uh, than let you have your freedoms and it, it's really sad but in order to have a tactful conversation with someone you have to let them say their message and after they say their message you can respond tactfully kindly with something like well I'm against gun violence too like but what does that mean to you so tell me about it tell me your story and once someone tells you about what their story how they came to believe what they believe or uh, or what they believe you're able to respond kindly with what you believe and once you've listened to someone first, they're far more willing to hear what you have to say. And so we, we talk about things like that. We talk about the mindset you want to enter. If you're going into a conversation, we, uh, we did a book club about the book uh, uh, Impossible Conversations by Peter Bogosian. And so we talked about how do you have conversations? Like that book is from the position of an atheist trying to talk to religious people about religion. How do you, how do you have that conversation without it turning into a shouting match? One of the best ways I know is this, and it's advice that I heard a long time ago from my mother, and she said this, is it more important to be right or to have the spirit of cooperation and respect? Oh, that's a wonderful way to put and, it. And that doesn't mean that i got to jettison my views at the door. What it means is I can listen to people and give them a chance. Another uh, educator said this, you know what, first seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Yeah. And you know what? If I want to push my views, no one's going to listen. But if I listen to them and give them a chance, then they're going to basically start out by being willing to listen to me. That's kind of the idea that it starts. Some of the tactical uh, tactics I use is look, look for ways when someone's speaking or someone's whatever they're doing to build common ground. And as you, your co-host highlighted this, you're looking for common ground with somebody. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything they say or do or believe or whatever else, Right. So I'll give you an example on abortion. This is a great example. They say, you know what? A woman has a right to choose. Well, between you and me, I believe the baby has the right, too. We can't ignore that. However, I can identify with, you know what? Your right to choose is based in your agency. I agree with agency. The liberty-minded people believe in our agency to choose as we think best. It starts there. Just because we disagree on the fundamental way they're making choices, we agree that we have the right to make choices. So, see, you can build common ground almost anywhere if you have a mind to. Yeah, absolutely. And having those conversations tactically, tactfully and tactically is uh it's really what our podcast is all about. So we we talk to people who have gone through all sorts of uh all sorts of issues where for example, Yeonmi Park, who was who ran away from North Korea when she was 12 and now she's out there 
you know, spreading the message of freedom and the tyranny that's going on. And in, God bless in her for it. It's wonderful. And she's a wonderful person doing it. And she's so fun to talk to. One thing that uh, most people don't understand by watching her on podcasts, she is very funny. She has a great sense of humor. And that, that's neither here nor there. But she's a lot of fun. Um, and we have, we have conversations with these people. We have conversations with people who we disagree with, too. So we started out as a uh, mostly centered around Second Amendment and gun rights, right? And we had uh, people from the, uh, the Brady group on our show. And we went on their show, and we connected them with people from Walk the Talk America, who's uh, all about getting gun rights and uh, mental health in the same conversation. Because what usually happens is you have some people screaming, it's, it's the gun. You have the other people screaming, it's mental health, and no one's actually working together to fix any of the problems. And so they do a good job of trying to, trying to help bridge that gap, trying to fix the issues. Are you all right with blind people having guns? Uh, I don't see why not. I mean, <laughs> if you learn how to shoot straight and you can uh, hit the target, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, don't let your shirt sleeve wrestle, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, uh, no, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, how much of rights do we want to protect? You know, a lot of people are for rights, but yet they want to take them away and they have this disconnect uh, logically. Uh, that's one of the kind of problems in America, too, when we debate discussions or whatever. Uh, it's, uh, sometimes people try to make it all logic. For many people, it's not all logic. Yeah. One of the tactics is to understand, look, they're emotionally charged about this. No amount of logic is going to change their view. Take a step back for a second. And see how we can't build a relationship of trust before we start to shove our agenda down their throat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have conversations with, uh, with old friends who I haven't seen in years all the time who disagree with me on just about every topic. And we'll have these political conversations and we'll come out at the end and it'll be, hey man, I'd love to see you and give you a hug. Great having that conversation with you. It's cool that we found this common ground and here where we don't agree, we'll just agree to disagree and we can move on. But if you hear people out and you're willing to let them share their message, even if you don't agree with it, you could, I mean, potentially you could learn something. Whoa. Uh, that, that, would, that, might, that might be dangerous, but you could learn something. At, and best case scenario, well, you learned about a person, you made a connection, you have a, you have a new friend or you've deepened your relationship with a friend. One thing we like to talk about is, uh, it's kind of the, the thing they say, is don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. And we say, what, why would you do that? Religion is what you're doing with your life. Politics is what someone else is trying to do with your life. Those are the most important things you should be talking about. But learn how to do it right. Learn how to talk to people effectively, right? Well, and it's amazing. We can learn to disagree agreeably. So I think we can agree to disagree agreeably is the point. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, listen, I may not agree with your view, but we need to teach people there's a separation between agreeing with somebody versus understanding their position. Yes. Okay. We need to learn to understand other positions. It doesn't threaten our own if we're confident in our positions. It doesn't. Okay. But understanding humanizes things. It lets people know that, look, your next door neighbor, your friend, the guy across the table you may disagree with or whatever. Look, they're a human, too. And they want, for the most part, the same things that you want. They care about the same things. They may have a different way about it that you don't understand. But that's why it's important to seek understanding because I a lot of times end up saying, I don't agree with you, but I understand what you're saying and thinking and I understand why. Yeah. And you know what? I can respect you for that. Um, I can I can give room for that in my heart and in my mind that look, you didn't come to your views out of hatred or out of being it's just a different way of looking at something that I need to at least have respect for. And I think that's where we start is saying, look, if I can understand what you think and why, at least I can understand you as a person. Yeah. I think if we do that over time, then love can kind of come in and say, hey, I respect you for it. I love you for it. 
And then hopefully in the theater of ideas, this is the great genius of America, right? In the theater of ideas, we can help people understand our point of views. And at first, if you seek understanding, then eventually you might say, and that's how I got to this point with some of the people that are, that are pro-choice. I call them pro-death in a lot of ways. But look, we agree that agency is at the core of it, right? So believe it or not, I even agree with the pro-choice folks on something. Yeah. Yeah. It makes absolute, absolute sense. I love that. And one thing when you're talking to people and when you said love comes into it, what you can do when you're talking to someone is you can open up and this is all like metaphysical, right? You open up a space in your heart to allow them to come in and feel cared for. I mean, how, how terrible can a conversation go if you help someone feel cared for, right? They're, they're not going to want to hate you. They're not going to want to scream you down. Now, there are some people who will scream you down and never let you give them that space to begin with because, like, maybe they're in a mob and they're yelling at you. There are places where the conversations can happen and places where they can't. Like, Facebook is a terrible place to have a, a real meaningful conversation with someone. But And by the way, those, a lot of times those platforms are designed to divide. That's why they're so hard to accomplish it, right? Oh, well, yeah, Twitter especially, right? Like, Twitter's whole whole position is if this is divisive it's going to get bumped up because people react to divisive things that's how they get ratings and focus yep but in the real world we think differently though in the real world we hold doors open for people in the real world we let people finish speaking before we interrupt them in the real world we truly try to be kind and uh, that's one of the things that the internet's kind of brought is this you can be a jerk and you don't have to face anybody but when you're face to face or when you deal with humans personally it brings an amount of respect so does the right to keep and bear arms, pretty soon everybody's all respectful. Yes, sir. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> yes. That kind of thing, right? Yes. Ooh, whoa, they got the main stage out of control up there, folks. Yeah. If there's a lot of background noise, ignore that, though. Um, I think tactical conversations really matter. In other words, you need to think about what you say. You need to think about your arguments. You need to deliver them in a friendly way. Um, the point is there's a lot to learn about how to have these conversations. Uh, the foot forward is how to win flin, win, Wow. Win friends and influence people is kind of the starting point in my yes. mind as well. That was one of the first books that we actually did our book club on. We did like Impossible Conversations was one of them. We've done How to Win Friends and Influence People. We've done Impossible Conversations. We go through these books and we talk about them. We talk about kind of the lessons that we gleaned from it. And we really like to have this book club. We uh, Over on our uh, our page, thetaxshow.com, we announce what book we're going to be talking about ahead of time so that people can read along with us and share their thoughts and hey maybe your thoughts get uh, get a shout out on the show but we we love to have the the interaction with our with our listeners over there so that uh we really can through that have the conversation with them all right i got Allow a book for you guys then yeah what's that it's called extreme ownership Yes, by Jocko Willink. All right, great book. Highlights, and this is really what the reason. There's a reason I bring this up. One of the things that that he speaks of is he talks about when it when it comes to extreme ownership, you take responsibility for virtually everything. Yeah, uh, and the idea then when you do that is um, everybody else is kind of disarmed around you in the sense that at first, if anything goes wrong, if anything's not perfect, everybody's all defensive. But when you go, look, guys, this is all my fault, or, or, hey, you know what, I take responsibility for this, or I, in other words, you own it, this extreme ownership, pretty soon everybody else is like, what? You mean I'm not on the hook? You mean I'm not being attacked? Well, and that opens up doors. Yeah, yeah, that book is, uh, that's a great book, and we have actually talked about that being one of the books uh, we might do as our book club, which just hasn't made it quite there yet. But, uh, yeah, we have a lot of good ones. One that I'm reading right now that I thought is, that I've just thought is, absolutely great is uh how to talk to anyone by lael Loundon. i don't know how to pronounce it correctly but uh that's as close as i can get l-e-i-l Loundon. 
All right. You're reading that now, How to Talk to Anyone, huh? Yeah, I'm reading How to Talk to Anyone. And that's a fun book. It has 92 specific points that are very actionable. Things like, uh, I think Show they call interest it- in people is one of them, I'm sure. If you show interest in somebody, they, they're disarmed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. if I if I if I want to know about you as a person, there's no better way to validate you than me showing genuine you can't have you can't be fake now. But but if I show genuine interest in you, everyone loves that. Everyone loves it. One of the one of the tactics in the book, I think she calls it the uh, the baby pivot. And what it what it talks about is say a baby crawls up to you and you're in the middle of a conversation with another adult, a baby crawls up to you and starts crawling up on your leg, what do you do? You pivot hey, to that buddy. child. You say, yep. Hi, you play with the kid, you give him a big grin. Yes, the big baby pivot. And uh, if, uh, if someone else walks up to you while you're talking to someone, pivot towards them. Say, hey, how you doing? Even if you've never met them, nice to meet you. Welcome them into the conversation. And when they feel acknowledged that way, I mean, that's a great way to start, start talking to someone. And when you show interest in people, even if you don't know what to say, they start to talk about themselves. If you ask the right questions, it takes very few questions, and pretty soon even shy people will start talking. Oh, absolutely. Everyone, everyone likes telling you about, uh, about what they've done in their life, right? The things they've accomplished, the things they've gone through. Everyone loves talking about that. I mean, I know I do. But uh, because it's that easy, you can ask a few questions. You can make a new friend. You'll learn all sorts of fun stuff. I've learned all sorts of things from really cool people here at, uh, here at Freedom Fest by just asking questions about, hey, what do you do? And, uh, or another uh, great one is, uh, how do you like to spend your time? What, what are you into? I learned about a, uh, a, young, a young author right now who's writing a book on the, the history of the Underground Railroad where he grew up. Yes. And so, I mean, really cool stories and really cool projects that people are involved in that you would never know that they're involved in if you didn't take the time to just ask, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a comfortable exchange of ideas. It's a combination of listening and sharing and speaking. It's always accompanied by humility and learning you know that's what we need to do and one of the things i love the most about being a talk show host chase and and you'll identify with this i love being able to get anybody on the radio anytime about any topic and just soaking up the knowledge baby absolutely it is just one of the best parts of the absolutely it is one of my favorites i mean the the two things i really love about this is making so many cool friends that like oh yeah i know that guy i met him and we had this conversation and then when you think about the conversation, oh, wow, I learned a lot about that guy. So yesterday I had a great, uh, a great moment where I talked to one of the volunteers who was running security in the front door. The guy had a great beard and a beautiful three-piece suit. His name's Brandon. And uh, I didn't know he was connected to anyone. I just made a good friend. And did you say, let's go, Brandon? <laughs> I wish I I'm had, just, actually, just, now that you mention it. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, he, uh, it turns out he's running for state, I believe state, congressman here as for the libertarian party of nevada okay and he's connected to all the big wigs in the libertarian party and he's like yeah i'll introduce you to him anytime i was like i just thought you were a guy with a great beard and a nice three-piece suit and i wanted to get to know you and you never know i mean when you reach out and just talk to someone give them a compliment to start the conversation i mean people it's amazing how connected people can be or what what you can learn and who else you can meet as a result of that conversation it's just it's wonderful talking to people. So much fun, and then you get to tell him too that hey, a, a, a simple ounce of gold back in Jesus' time, back in Moses' time, and today we'll buy one of those three-piece suits. You know that, right? I didn't know that. And then you start talking about gold, and then you start talking about all kinds of wonderful things. I'm just telling you, the world's full of great people, ladies and gentlemen. Even those you may not agree with, and yeah. the key is to learn how to tactfully and tactically 
have those conversations to bring out the best in everyone. You want to learn more? You want to keep an eye on that? You want to get involved in that incredible conversation? Here's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. You go to Chase Williams' website. He's the co-host of The Tack Show. That's The and then Tack, T-A-C, thetackshow.com. If you could tell the world anything, Chase, what would you say? I would say I want the world to maintain its freedoms via communication. I know war is, a, is one way that freedom is earned and won, but at best, in the best world, I don't want everyone to be dying to that. I want people to communicate with each other. I want uh, people who are for gun rights and against gun rights, like when we went on Brady, to have conversations. And when she said, what would you like everyone to know? I said, I want them to understand that we're just people. My co-host, however, Remington, he said a great thing. He said, we who own guns, in a scenario where you're in danger and a shooter comes around, we're the ones who are willing to endanger our lives to try to protect you. So maybe don't be too hard on us. We're not, we're not trying to kill you. We're trying to protect you. And she said, wow, I, I honestly had never thought like that. Ladies and gentlemen, thetackshow.com. Check it out. Everybody's talking. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Chase. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. We continue live from Freedom Fest, and what a Freedom Fest it is. We got Brandon Davis with us. He's Libertarian candidate for governor of the great state of Nevada. You want to learn more? ElectBrandonDavis.com is where you go for that. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Who the heck's Brandon? Who the heck is Brandon? That's a great question. You know, I'm somebody that is uh, very, very passionate about individual liberty. And uh, we've seen a ton of that being uh, infringed on in this state. And so uh, I I decided this year that I was going to step up and fight for Nevadans. What did you do before that? Who are you? What do you do? I own a marketing and advertising agency. I'm a father. I have okay. two young children. I'm a husband. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I'm uh, uh, also a musician. I spent uh, a large part of my life uh, out in tour buses and vans playing rock and roll music across the country, and I'm very uh, uh, fortunate for that. But, uh, yeah, that's a little right, bit of Listen, I'm with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association right behind us. Awesome. I'm, f- I'm sure you're familiar with Richard Mack and the CSPOA. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm the uh, vice president of operations of that organization. But the reason I bring this up is there's this song out there by Eric Clapton and others, Eric Clapton and others called I Shot the Sheriff, which we hate, right? <laughs> but I'm more looking for a musician who will write, rewrite the song for me and do kind of a take on it called I Back the Sheriff. Oh, Could you imagine? Dope. I back the sheriff. Okay. And I also back his deputies. What do you think? That's good. Well, we got to have somebody you, turn you, you up a rock and roll tune for me, man. <laughs> I love it. I need the guy to get it done. All right. So when you're running for governor, though, you're running on the libertarian ticket. What do they call that? A third party? Ed, we are a minor party, yes. Or, you know, the Republican Party used to be a third party. So maybe they're the third party. Yeah, well, we're the largest third party in the United States. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Uh, tell me this. What do you think your chances really are? I think they're really good. I just saw a poll come out today that, that showed almost 20% of registered voters in this poll said that they didn't want either the Democrat or the Republican. And, and we're just getting started. They're so getting sick of it, aren't they? Yeah. We only need 30, 30 to 35%. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're looking good. And we've, we're, we've got 17 counties. We've hit five of them already. We're going to continue to hit them over the next four months. And, uh, w- but every day, every week, we've got people coming to us saying that they're, uh, they're just not happy with the two options they have. You've got to have two things to win. You've got to have foot soldiers on the ground, and you've got to have a little bit of cash. You don't have to have as much of either as the other guy, but you've got to have enough to make it happen, and you've got to have absolutely uh, dedicated people on the ground. 
You got that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've got we've got groups in northern parts of the state and southern parts of the state. Now, seventy percent of the voters in the state of Nevada are all in this county that we're in right now, where Las Vegas is called Clark County. So we're yeah. working really hard here, but we've got groups up north in Washoe County, uh, door knocking, holding events, uh, flyering, phone banking. So we're, we're we're hitting it hard. Let me tell you what I dig from your website. It says this: what we're fighting for. Tell us, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, well, we saw what with the incumbent Democrat governor over the last three and a half years. He shut businesses down, uh, causing the, the largest unemployment uh, uh, rate in the, in the United States. Uh, he kept our kids out of school. We had the uh, historical child suicide rates. It's just an abomination. So, you know, we're fighting against that. We're fighting to, uh, uh, to make sure that this stays a free state. You know, we've got no state income tax. We've got legalized marijuana. I could go on. It's a very, very free state. We've got to keep it that way. That's what we're fighting for. Liberties and rights. That's what it's about. The government doesn't have the right to take your liberties away. Um, everybody's born with these natural rights and liberties, and that's where they're encroaching on, right? Yeah, I mean, correct. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what's going to keep this state free, right? We have to make sure that we know that government does not give us our rights, and we have to fight to keep those, uh, and uh, that's what we're doing. Let me ask you this. Property rights are important. Right to keep and bear arms important. What, what this radio program is known for is promoting God, family, and country and protecting life, liberty, and property. Isn't that about it? About it in regards to the, the extent of the liberties? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's not God, family, country, life, liberty, property? That's a, that's a conversation for probably a much longer podcast, but uh, those are definitely the ones that start. Right now, some say, uh, what's the difference between a libertarian and an anarchist? And my buddy Ernest Hancock always says, nothing but a couple of election cycles. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think there's different factions of, <laughs> of libertarians, right? So, sure. Uh, you know, I consider myself more a, a minarchist, right? So someone that, that understands the idea of a need for, you know, uh, essential public services, right? Uh, a small amount of government. Uh, but as minuscule as possible, right? Right. So you're a little bit more on the mainstream libertarian than, say, Ernest Hancock might be. Yeah, I would say so. All right. And I ask because some people get afraid of libertarians. They think, look, this guy's just going to get rid of everything. It's just going to be a meltdown. It isn't true, is it? No, not true at all. I mean, there's there's a, a need, again, for essential services and, and various things, uh, uh, but uh, it, that's, that's where it stops, right? Uh, some of these egregious uh, programs that we fund that are unnecessary in the state have got to go. Amen to that. Um, what I always tell people is I'm a libertarian with morals. How does that work? Well, I, I consider myself one. I mean, most of the people that I hang around consider themselves one as well. I mean, uh, and it's, it's easy, and, and that's the rhetoric that, that both the left and the right will try to, to, to preach and, sure. and, and condition is that libertarians are selfish or objectivists are selfish, that sort of thing. And uh, it, it's not true at the end of the day. What about the live and let live doctrine? Are you a fan of that? Live and let live doctrine. Expand yeah. on that. Well, it just means that you just leave people alone, man. Like, I'm just a, a guy that says, just don't hurt me, don't take my stuff, buddy. Just leave me the freak alone. Well, that's the core tenet of libertarianism, is sure. it not? Yes, I think so. All right. So he's fine with that, but can you work with both parties with that attitude? I think there's a home in, in the Libertarian Party for people on the left and the right, right? I, I think at the end of the day, we see it now where people are like, listen, get the government out of my life, but let them live how they want to live. Should we say, let's go, Brandon? Let's go, Brandon. All right, let's go, Brandon. All right, there you go. Turn we hijacked into, it. Turn, turn, turn him into the Nevada state governor. Can you deal with the, um, 
I don't know what you call it, man. The mafia, like the gaming commission. What do you do with those guys? Whew, that's a tough one, but we got to scale it back, right? I mean, for for example, uh, you know, FanDuel and some of these other like, you know, companies that are out there that allow alternative ways, they won't let them in. All right, Brandon, keep me posted on your campaign, will you? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Davis.com, everybody. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this gives you hope for America being at Freedom Fest, doesn't it? We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman continuing live from Freedom Fest, baby. It's a crowd like you wouldn't believe. People are running around, man. There's video cameras set up everywhere. People are doing interviews. People are eating pizza. People are having a fantastic time. People are taking on New York Times reporters. I don't know who that would be. I guess it's yours truly. Other than that, we're having a fantastic time. Open you are as well. And now we've got Sheriff-elect Cutter Clinton with us. And he's the uh, county sheriff of Pinellas County, Texas. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Sam. Where is Pinellas County? Pinellas County is in East Texas on the the Louisiana state line. All right. Is it Louisiana-like? No, it's definitely Texas. It's Texas. uh, It is is 100% Texas. They say uh, uh, North Louisiana is way more uh, uh, in tune with East Texas than it is South Louisiana. So it's definitely Texas. That makes sense. All right. I love it. Uh, How big is the county? The county is uh, just under 25,000. I think think we've got 22,000 and some change. All right. Is there a city there I'd recognize? The county seat is Carthage. Uh, Carthage County, Texas. If you keep up with high school football uh, or bizarre murders is kind of what's put us on the map. Bizarre murders? What does that mean? So there was a a movie that was filmed uh, starring Matthew McConaughey and uh, Jack Black and Wow, uh, some others about a, a murder that occurred in our uh, in our in our community in the '90s uh, with a funeral home uh, director and uh, just just a lot of bizarre things. And the, uh, uh, the folks that made the dark comedy about Fargo actually made one about a uh, uh, Carthage as well. Or excuse me, it was similar similar to that. And so, even though it was a movie, it wasn't a documentary, right? There's been several documentaries, uh, City Confidential, um, several of your. Uh, kind of daytime uh, uh, homicide programs have, have featured the, the case. Uh, and uh, it's been in Texas Monthly, which is a big publication. And then and then the, the, uh, a film was made on it as well. Wow. So they put Cutter Clinton in charge to cut through the crap and get it all fixed, huh? Oh, I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I was a young <laughs> man during all I was I was a child during all of that. I, uh, wow. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, speaking of Carthage, high school football and, uh, Bernard Tita is normally what comes to mind. But you played people. football, though, right? I did. I sure did. Did you like it? Loved it. Or do you like being a sheriff more? Well, I will go into office in November, so that might be the time to ask me. All right. So catch me up, then. You came to Freedom Fest. Have you ever been to anything like this before? I have not. Uh, I, can't, I can't say that I have. I've never been to Nevada, uh, for sure, or Las Vegas, and, and I have never been to a, uh, uh, such a large gathering, I'd say, of, of liberty-minded folks. Well, most Liberty events are not as big as this one. This is one of the biggest ones of all. There's probably more than 6,000 people here. Uh, it's a huge event, but most of them are smaller uh, compared to the Freedom Fest. But, man, the Freedom Fest is kind of becoming the quintessential annual uh, pilgrimage for liberty loving uh, folks to rub shoulders and uh, shake hands and make friends and do interviews and talk and learn and keep up to speed with what everybody's doing. Yes, sir. Now, you were on the uh, sheriff's panel a little bit ago, right? I was. I had that think? opportunity. I How'd thought, that go? I thought it was great. I think that uh, uh, dialogues and discussions and, and, and open conversation is how 
is how we get uh, transparency and uh, innovation and, and solutions to just about anything. Now let me ask you this question, Sheriff. Is there election fraud in your county? No. No, not, not none that I'm aware of. Uh, I believe that our election officials um, would not compromise themselves in that way. I don't, I don't think that uh, uh, they lack integrity. I, uh, I also don't think in Panola County, uh, I don't think anybody could get by with that. I mean, we, uh, we do not have anybody. We have only one party uh, in office for, for any position in Panola County. So I don't think we'd be targeted by these, uh, uh, these groups you see that, that, are, that are kind of preying on the, on the purple areas. Uh, now, at that same time, just, just because we don't suspect anything doesn't mean that uh, as, as important as elections are, we need to do what we can to be vigilant on integrity because uh, that is important. But I do not suspect any, and I, uh, I, do, not, uh, I do not believe any has transpired. Well, that's good news because you know what? Sadly, with the division in America over this, people are believing it's countrywide. Either there's no election fraud and you're an election fraud denier, or you're just thinking there's fraud everywhere. And you know what? The truth is in the middle somewhere, isn't it? Usually is. There's a, you know, his story, my story, and, and the truth most of the time. All right. As you take office in November, what's going to be your theme, sir? What's going to be? What are you going to be known for? What I want, I, I love history. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I, I answered the call to law enforcement, and then I answered the call to run run for sheriff. Um, you know, you always kind of think, what would you do if you didn't do this? And, and I think maybe maybe teaching history and, and, and coaching some good Texas high school football might have been where my my career path may have gone. Uh, so I love history, and I, and I love reading about the sheriffs of old, um, you know, kind of after the West was settled and, and you had the, the kind of the early – early 20th century sheriffs and, and, and the communities that they served, um, the, their authority came, the sheriff's authority came from, from how much trust uh, and respect that the community had for those, those men that held the office of sheriff or, or high sheriff, as a lot of people used to call it. And, uh, and it was the high sheriff for a reason because it articulated his real authority and his real um, responsibility, right? That is correct, the high sheriff. Uh I don't know if that's that's more of a southern term or a Texas term or anything, but I, I'd like to kind of be a modern-day high sheriff. I, I want people to come to me with their problems. I want them to trust me. Uh, I'm a homeboy, and, and I want to take care of my people. I, I want, I, you know, I think, you know, prior to what we saw a lot in the year 2020, you might think of a lawman's role as, as simply to protect you from the, from the kind of the street criminal element of our society, but... I believe the the high sheriff should also uh, protect his community um, in, by way of making sure that our constitutional rights are, are preserved and upheld and protected. Well, the oath of office is really enemies, foreign or domestic, doesn't matter who they are, government or not or whatever else. You're, you're really there to kind of uh, interpose and protect the people regardless, right? One person's rights ends where another begins. You bet. What do you think as you become sheriff will be the diff most difficult things you'll face? Any idea? Well, I'm a young man. I yeah, but you've been in law enforcement, right? I have. I have. An, so this I, isn't new to you is my point. No, being, being, a, being a lawman is not new to me. Uh, I, have, I have worked all manner of cases, solved all manner of cases. I've been in all, all forms of, you know, high volatile situations. And, and I believe I've responded adequately. Of course, you, you make mistakes or you, you look back and think you could have did something different. Uh, but you learn from it. And, the, the policing side 
um, I think will will be will come very very natural because that's what I do. Uh, my challenges will be, of course, going into an administrative role and some learning curves. But uh, I'm going to surround myself with uh, uh, good men and women and come to accumulative decisions and uh, just try to make the build the best sheriff's office that we can. One of the things that Darleaf, long-term sheriff, he's like in his fifth term or something in uh, Michigan, Barry County, Michigan. One of the things he faced that was shocking to me was, you know what? The state police were just out of control. They were beating people up before they went to jail. They were doing this and that. And he had to stop all that and clean it all up and stuff like that. Uh, are the state police a problem, do you think? I do not. Uh, not in Texas anyway. Uh, of course, that's out of Michigan, correct, Sheriff Lee? Yes, sir. I, I know in Texas, a much more liberal state than Texas. I might, of course, of course, and, it, and it's it's funny, Sammy. It seems to be, uh, and you know, I I don't use the term liberal a lot because I, I kind of, if you look at history, you know, Thomas Jefferson was a yeah, the liberal. founding fathers were liberals of their certainly, day. You're exactly certainly, right. The certainly. conservatives are the are the liberals of yesteryear, kind of thing, right? Right, right. So I I, Good pr- point. I, I prefer to call them leftists. What they are, uh, extremists, and, and uh, that too. It, it's 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 wild to me that you, you get these people under the guise of quote unquote liberals, uh, but that seems to be where you have more of a police state and less constitutional rights. So it's just, it's really a doesn't make any sense looking at it for me anyway well and the other thing that's interesting is to me the bigger the city it seems like the greater those problems the smaller the town the more people knows everybody and you know you kind of make fun of the country songs even though i love them everybody knows everybody everybody calls you friend um you know this kind of stuff really does have a a relationship and matters right you know oh it absolutely matters and and i think i think it's being embraced uh by law enforcement Uh, i had an opportunity to uh, go through a crime prevention uh, specialty training and it was very extensive and uh, and we can say what we want about Travis County and Austin Police Department. I, uh, but there, there are some, there are some fine, fine men and women that, that wear the badge there in Travis County and Austin PD. And um, had an opportunity to visit with some Austin PD guys. And uh, truly, the only solution going forward on actually solving crime, policing responsibly, uh, is to almost return to kind of the old Irish beat cop days, where you are truly intimate with your community and you know them. And I think. Small towns, we probably hadn't really lost that. I don't think we have in Panola County. Um, but hopefully it will be embraced kind of across the board with years going forward. But you bring up a good point, which is if you're on the streets with the people in a real sense and you build relationships of trust, then you've really got eyes and ears. That's where the sheriff's posse comes in, whether they're uh, literally you know sworn in or whether they're set apart in some way or other or whether they're just eyes and ears as friends kind of a thing. That's really where your, your support comes from, not only to uh, – uh, deal with crime, but also search and rescue with needs of the community. I mean, there's a lot that can be brought to bear there, right? Absolutely. I, you know, uh, Sir Robert Peel is the uh, the father, or could, you know, he's, he's titled as the father of modern policing, and he came out of the London Metropolitan Police Act of 1823, and he has nine principles of policing, and they're all still relevant today, and the one that will kind of stick out the most is that the citizens are the police, and the police are the citizens. And so you're absolutely right. And this uh, modern-day division between the cops uh, and the people, in my opinion, is super destructive. We've got to work together to build trust and heal that, sir. And our quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I, and, and I'm thankful. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a community that, you know, I, and I've said it several times this weekend that uh, you know, I, I live behind the pine curtain in Texas, and we're not burdened with a lot of things that a lot of our country um, is facing with now. But uh, 
truly having a good relationship with your community is 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 what it's all about if if you don't have that then um i don't think you have anything and i I don't think you'll uh i don't think you'll be a very productive or or efficient uh law enforcement entity how how far away is the biggest city for me and what is it shreveport louisiana is okay. uh, about 45 minutes to the uh, to the northeast of uh, Carthage. Um, Longview, Texas, and Tyler, Texas, are, are also about 45 to an hour uh, away. Tyler's a bit over 100,000 people. Shre- uh, Tyler's a pretty good place too, though, isn't it? Tyler's a great place. Yeah, absolutely. My Stiff. daughter and her and her husband. He's finishing. Uh, uh, he's getting his RN and stuff like that, and they're planning to move to Tyler. I think they'll enjoy it. Tyler's a good city. It's kind of nicknamed Dallas East. Um, it's a, uh, I, I, I like Tyler. All right. Excellent. My friend, if you could say anything to the world, what would you say? I would just say to keep paying attention. I, I think that people are now, I, um, I will be the, the second youngest sheriff currently, uh, in the state when I go into office. Um, another man that was elected, uh, the same election as I for County judge. He is a He's an old high school classmate and college classmate of mine. He's a he's a year older than me, and uh, he'll be one of the youngest county judges ever elected. And so Incredible. I think yes, and that's not common for Panola County. It's just it's it's really not. You, uh, uh, I don't know that we've had hardly any elected officials that weren't well into their forties that that were elected. So I think people are are are, are wanting to see uh, some new perspectives, and they and I think also that. Uh, the, uh, a lot of people are realizing the importance of local elections and, and actually starting to put some thought into what they want to see for their communities because your local government uh, has more, really more impact on your day-to-day life than uh, whatever they're doing in Washington, D.C. or, or Austin, uh, in, 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 our, in Texans' case. How far away is Austin? Austin's about six hours. Okay, uh, so it's far. Yes, sir. All right, but it's a very liberal bastion to a great degree, a very left-wing kind of a thing. <laughs> Def, they definitely have a, they have the, the the leftists sure have a seem like they have a good stronghold in in Austin. I I still I've got a I was born in Austin. I, I enjoy visiting Austin. Not all parts of it are um, unenjoyable. It's still it's still got a lot of good Texas culture and great food and uh, good people there. And, and a lot of people in Travis County are. Uh, they're they're real Americans and and uh, they they still fight the good fight to, to preserve what what we love about our country and our communities and our state and um, so I'm, I'm not one to I'm not one to beat up on Austin like a lot of a lot of a lot of, a lot of folks will but there are certainly some uh, uh, some people with un-American agendas that, that have set up shop there. Well, I'll tell you one thing, uh, Sheriff. What I think the people of your county, Panola County, are saying really is, hey, you're the future, son. We're counting on you. I think they even have said that to my face. You bet. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think there's truth to that, though. We've got to have trust in and hand things to the next generation. We've got to have confidence in, in our uh, ability to raise them and teach them the right principles. And then, you know, as they go on their own and stuff like that, we've got to put our trust and our confidence in them. Then we've got to support them in a way that will make sure they have success. Right. And, and I think that's really what we're talking about right now, right? Ab- absolutely. You bet. All right, brother, we appreciate you. We'll be uh, watching your career as it unfolds. We'll be here to support you in every way possible, sir. Sam, that means the world to me, and and y'all have a friend in East Texas, and thank you for having me on. Ladies and gentlemen, Sheriff Cutter Clinton, Panola County, Texas, doing a phenomenal job. Sheriff-elect. He's one of the youngest sheriffs, 30 years old, man. But when you meet the guy, you feel like he's got wisdom of 50-year-old. He's got the spunk of a 30-year-old to take care of business as sheriff. 
but he's going to lead by setting aside all the politics and saying, hey, I want to be the high sheriff. I want to be here to work with you through your problems, and I want to, I want to do it all uh, as a sheriff used to do from yesteryear. you got to dig it, right? This is America, baby. There's no place like it, and it's true uh, in, um, what is it now, Carthage, Texas, uh, in the great county there, doing a phenomenal job. I'm Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman on your radio from Freedom Fest, having a fantastic time. Hoping you are as well if you're at the Freedom Fest. And if you're not, shame on you. You ought to be here. Either way, though, we'll bring the best of the best to you on Liberty Roundtable Live. That's who we are. That's what we do as we tell the tale of liberty, promoting God, family, and country, protecting life, liberty, and property. Our next guest is an interesting guy. His name is Chase Williams. And he happens to be the host of an incredible new podcast called The Tack Show, T-A-C, The Tack Show. If you want to learn more, thetackshow.com is where you can check it out. And one of the interesting things I saw on his website says this. What is a tactical American conversation? That's what we'll talk about now. Welcome, Chase. Thank you very much. I am uh, so glad to be here. It's, uh, it is an honor. Before we get started with the tactical conversations, et cetera, just look around you. As you walk into this event, as you look around you, what, what all comes to your mind, Chase? It's overwhelming, isn't it? It really is. When I first came in here yesterday, I didn't know what, uh, what I'd be looking at. But at this point, what I'm looking around at is a lot of friends that I've made. A lot of friends, a lot of people who are putting on the fight for liberty around the nation, around the world, and doing their best to make sure that your freedoms are protected from a legal and from a political perspective. And it's, it's wonderful. When I walked into the room, I realized how big it was because it's massive. You've got to walk forever to get here. And then when you're here, there's just people everywhere. You've got to... There's booths everywhere. It's just huge. But to give me, give you and, and our listeners a real gauge of how big it is, I got a call while I was going to dinner the other day, or last night, I guess it was, and they were from Australian radio, and they're like, hey, can you do an interview with us about the Freedom Fest and about your press conference for the Constitutional Sheriff's Group and all this stuff and the, the election fraud discussion and your, your DVD that you promote called He Who Owns the Media Makes the Rules and your presentations, the new media takes center stage, and can you come talk to us about that? This is Australian radio. They're here. They're interviewing people live on their radio. Radio networks. They got twenty four seven radio, Australian radio going on right here at a Freedom. And then I realized how big it was, Chase. Yeah, it, it is impressive. We've got uh, Fox Nation over there in the corner doing a live presentation of everything that's going on. So I mean, it, it they got some big names and a lot of really cool people to talk to here. It is quite the event, and uh, highly recommend anyone who has the opportunity to come on. All right, give me a thirty second. Who's Chase? Uh, I am Chase Williams. I am a co-host. Me and my partner do a podcast called the. Tack show started out as tactical American conversations, and the goal of the show was to teach people how to have a conversation tactically, a way that would allow you to get your message out, to hear the other person's message, to stop the the fighting, the divisiveness, and try to help people connect. So by doing wow. that, you're able you're able to create communities within like your actual community that we feel have fallen apart ever since social media came around. I agree. So I put up a website and I wrote an article about a call, a clarion call for civility. So call for civility is the website that highlights this call for civility.com. But what you're talking about is when you say tactical conversation, tactical conversations start out with tactful conversations. Yes, right? they do. Yes, they do. And uh, in order to be tactful, you have to be polite. You have to be kind and you have to be willing to let people say what they need to say, Whoa, even if that. you don't agree. Right. So someone can come up to you and they can be really angry and telling you all about uh, what they have going on. One story my uh, my co-host likes to talk about is uh, he was having a conversation with an old friend of his who was very uh, not pro gun rights. I'll put it uh, put it mildly. And uh, in the conversation, the person said, I'm against gun violence. And his response was, me too. Well, so am I. I mean, what? Right. So am I. Course. Which stopped her, stopped her dead in her tracks. By the way, wait, who in their right mind wouldn't be? Exactly. Right. But. 
the media has told everyone that no, 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 they don't care about children. They they just want to have their guns so they can go they can go shoot people. It's it's their fever dream that they can they can shoot someone if uh, if they have their gun rights. And it's like, well, no, it's not. We're not trying to be violent here. We don't like gun violence. We have cried many times on our show talking about the shootings that are happening in schools. It's heartbreaking. No one likes this. Right, but they have divisionary tactics, though. Calling it assault weapon makes the point. You know what I call those same weapons? In the hands of a good woman, a gun is a rape-me-not. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a rape-me-not. Absolutely. And if it's a guy, it's a don't hurt me, don't take my stuff. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mechanism. And it, it's something that uh, they just they want to take away because, well, they'd rather control you than, uh, than let you have your freedoms. And it, it's really sad. But in order to have a tactful conversation with someone, you have to let them say their message. And after they say their message, you can respond tactfully kindly with something like well i'm against gun violence too like but what does that mean to you so tell me about it tell me your story and once someone tells you about what their story how they came to believe what they believe or uh or what they believe you're able to respond kindly with what you believe and once you've listened to someone first they're far more willing to hear what you have to say and so we, we talk about things like that. We talk about the mindset you want to enter. If you're going into a conversation, we, uh, we did a book club about the book uh, uh, Impossible Conversations by Peter Bogosian. And so we talked about how do you have conversations. Like that book is from the position of an atheist trying to talk to religious people about religion. How do you, how do you have that conversation without it turning into a shouting match? One of the best ways I know is this. and It's advice that I heard a long time ago from my mother. And she said this, is it more important to be right or to have the spirit of cooperation and respect. Oh, that's a wonderful way to put and, it. And that doesn't mean that i got to jettison my views at the door. What it means is I can listen to people and give them a chance. Another uh, educator said this. You know what? First, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Yeah. And you know what? If I want to push my views, no one's going to listen. But if I listen to them and give them a chance, then they're going to basically start out by being willing to listen to me. That's kind of the idea that it starts. Some of the tactical uh, tactics I use is, look, look for ways when someone's speaking or someone's whatever they're doing to build common ground. And as you, your co-host highlighted this, you're looking for common ground with somebody. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything they say or do or believe or whatever else, right? So I'll give you an example on abortion. This is a great example. They say, you know what? A woman has a right to choose. Well, between you and me, I believe the baby has the right, too. We can't ignore that. However, I can identify with, you know what? Your right to choose is based in your agency. I agree with agency. The liberty-minded people believe in our agency to choose as we think best. It starts there. Just because we disagree on the fundamental way they're making choices, we agree that we have the right to make choices. So, see, you can build common ground almost anywhere if you have a mind to. Yeah, absolutely. And having those conversations tactically, tactfully and tactically is uh, it's really what our podcast is all about. So we, we talk to people who have gone through all sorts of uh, all sorts of issues where, for example, Yonmi Park, who was who ran away from North Korea when she was 12. And now she's out there, you know, spreading the message of freedom and the tyranny that's going on. And in God bless North her Korea. for it. It's wonderful. And she's a wonderful person doing it. And she's so fun to talk to. One thing that uh, most people don't understand by watching her on podcast, she is very funny. She has a great sense of humor. And that, that's neither here nor there, but she's a lot of fun. Um, and we have, we have conversations with these people. We have conversations with people who we disagree with, too. So we started out as a uh, mostly centered around Second Amendment and gun rights, right? And we had uh, people from the, uh, the Brady group on our show, and we went on their show, and we connected them with people from Walk the Talk America, who's uh, all about getting gun rights 
and uh, mental health in the same conversation. Because what usually happens is you have some people screaming, it's it's the gun. You have the other people screaming, it's mental health, and no one's actually working together to fix any of the problems. And so they do a good job of trying to trying to help bridge that gap, trying to fix the issues. Are you all right with blind people having guns? Uh, I don't see why not. I mean, <laughs> if you learn how to shoot straight and you can uh, hit the target, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, don't let your shirt sleeve wrestle, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, uh, no, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, how much of rights do we want to protect? You know, a lot of people are for rights, but yet they want to take them away and they have this disconnect uh, logically. Uh, that's one of the kind of problems in America, too, when we debate discussions or whatever. Uh, it's, uh, sometimes people try to make it all logic. For many people, it's not all logic. Yeah. One of the tactics is to understand, look, they're emotionally charged about this. No amount of logic is going to change their view. Take a step back for a second. And see how we can't build a relationship of trust before we start to shove our agenda down their throat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have conversations with, uh, with old friends who I haven't seen in years all the time who disagree with me on just about every topic. And we'll have these political conversations and we'll come out at the end and it'll be, hey man, I'd love to see you and give you a hug. Great having that conversation with you. It's cool that we found this common ground and here where we don't agree, we'll just agree to disagree and we can move on. But if you hear people out and you're willing to let them share their message, even if you don't agree with it. You could, I mean, potentially you could learn something. Whoa. Uh, that, that, would, that, might, that might be dangerous, but you could learn something. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Some good economic news this morning. U.S. retail sales rose 1% in June. Consumers spent more across a wide range of goods, while inflation reached a new four-decade high. Wholesale inflation was over 11% last month. President Biden in the Middle East says he wants to still negotiate a nuclear deal with terror-sponsoring Iran. I continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to achieve this outcome. Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid on the same stage was blunter. Diplomacy will not stop them. The only thing that will stop Iran is knowing that if they continue to develop their nuclear program, the free world will use force. President Trump announced the death of his ex-wife, Ivana. She died in her New York City home and may have fallen down the stairs. USA Radio News. Attention weekend gardeners, don't let insect pests destroy your hard work. Fight back with Maggie's Farm, created by pest control professionals. Maggie's Farm plant and mineral-based products provide amazingly effective insect control, like our 3-in-1 garden spray for organic gardening. Deadly on insects, but safe to use around children and pets. Or for really hard-to-kill bugs, try our new beetle and box elder bug killer. Maggie's Farm, lethal to bugs, easy on the planet. Look for Maggie's Farm at Walmart, Menards, or at maggiesfarmproducts.com. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Call 800-631-9123. 800-631-9123. That's 800-631-9123. Although pleading guilty in a Russian court, proceedings continue. Brittany Greiner had an Arizona doctor's prescription to use marijuana for medical purposes and why, she explained, hashish oil was found in her carry-on luggage. Gas continues to be expensive. 
Americans are growing increasingly concerned about the rise of gas prices. Senior advisor to President Joe Biden, Gene Sperling, explains on Fox News the effort President Biden is taking to keep gas prices lower. The president is still doing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve mm-hmm. uh, release of a million a day. He's encouraging 60 million more from our peers. He is pushing refineries uh, to open up more refinery capacity. He is pushing major gas companies to make sure that when oil prices are down, that is reflected in the pump. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. SpaceX launches a Dragon capsule from Kennedy Space Center, Florida, on Thursday. It has cargo for the International Space Station. USA Radio News. And best case scenario, well, you learned about a person, you made a connection, you you have a new friend or you've deepened your relationship with a friend. One thing we like to talk about is, uh, it's kind of the the thing they say, is don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. And we say, why would you do that? Religion is what you're doing with your life. Politics is what someone else is trying to do with your life. Those are the most important things you should be talking about. But learn how to do it right. Learn how to talk to people effectively, right? Well, and it's amazing. We can learn to disagree agreeably. So I think we can agree to disagree agreeably is the point. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, listen, I may not agree with your view, but we need to teach people there's a separation between agreeing with somebody versus understanding their position. Yes. Okay. We need to learn to understand other positions. It doesn't threaten our own if we're confident in our positions. It doesn't. Okay. But understanding humanizes things. It lets people know that, look. Your next-door neighbor, your friend, the guy across the table you may disagree with or whatever, look, they're a human, too, and they want, for the most part, the same things that you want. They care about the same things. They may have a different way about it that you don't understand, but that's why it's important to seek understanding because I a lot of times end up saying, I don't agree with you, but I understand what you're saying and thinking, and I understand why. Yeah. And you know what? I can respect you for that. Um, I, can, I can give room for that in my heart and in my mind that, look, you didn't come to your views out of hatred. Or out of it's just a different way of looking at something that I need to at least have respect for, and I think that's where we start is saying, look, if I can understand what you think and why, at least I can understand you as a person. Yeah. And I think if we do that over time, then love can kind of come in and say, hey, I respect you for it, I love you for it, and then hopefully in the theater of ideas, this is the great genius of America, right? In the theater of ideas, we can help people understand our point of views. And at first, if you seek understanding, then eventually you might say, and that's how I got to this point with some of the people that are, that are pro-choice. I call them pro-death in a lot of ways. But look, we agree that agency is at the core of it, right? So believe it or not, I even agree with the pro-choice folks on something. Yeah. Yeah. It makes absolute, absolute sense. I love that. And one thing when you're talking to people and when you said love comes into it, what you can do when you're talking to someone is you can open up and this is all like metaphysical, right? You open up a space in your heart to allow them to come in and feel cared for. I mean, how, how terrible can a conversation go if you help someone feel cared for, right? They're, they're not going to want to hate you. They're not going to want to scream you down. Now there are some people who will scream you down and never let you give them that space to begin with because like, maybe they're in a mob and they're yelling at you. There are places where the conversations can happen and places where they can't. Like Facebook is a terrible place to have a, a real meaningful conversation with someone. But And by the way, those, a lot of times those platforms are designed to divide. That's why they're so hard to accomplish it, right? Oh, well, yeah, Twitter especially, right? Like Twitter's whole, whole position is if this is divisive, it's going to get bumped up because people react to divisive things. 
That's how they get ratings and focus. Yep. But in the real world, we think differently, though. In the real world, we hold doors open for people. In the real world, we let people finish speaking before we interrupt them. In the real world, we truly try to be kind. And uh, that's one of the things that the Internet's kind of brought is this. You can be a jerk and you don't have to face anybody. But when you're face-to-face or when you deal with humans personally, it brings an amount of respect. So does the right to keep and bear arms. Pretty soon everybody's all respectful. Yes, sir. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Yes. That kind of thing, right? Yes. Whoa, they got the main stage out of control up there, folks. If there's a lot of background noise, ignore that, though. Um, I think tactical conversations really matter. In other words, you need to think about what you say. You need to think about your arguments. You need to deliver them in a friendly way. Um, The point is there's a lot to learn about how to have these conversations. Uh, The foot forward is how to win win, win friends and influence people is kind of the starting point in my mind as well. That was one of the first books that we actually did our book club on. We did, like, Impossible Conversations was one of them. We've done How to Win Friends and Influence People. We've done Impossible Conversations. We go through these books, and we talk about them. We talk about kind of the lessons that we gleaned from it. And we really like to have this book club. We, uh, over on our, uh, our page, thetechshow.com, we announce what book we're going to be talking about ahead of time so that people can read along with us and share their thoughts. And, hey, maybe your thoughts get, uh, get a shout-out on the show, but we, we love to have the, the interaction with our, with our listeners over there. So that uh, we really can, through that, have the conversation with them. All right, I got Allow a book for you guys then. Yeah, what's that? It's called Extreme Ownership. Yes, by Jocko Willink. All right, great book. Highlights, and this is really what the reason. There's a reason I bring this up. One of the things that that he speaks of is he talks about when it when it comes to extreme ownership, you take responsibility for virtually everything. Yeah. Uh, and the idea then, when you do that, is. Um, Everybody else is kind of disarmed around you in the sense that at first, if anything goes wrong, if anything's not perfect, everybody's all defensive. But when you go, look, guys, this is all my fault or, or, hey, you know what? I take responsibility for this or I, in other words, you own it, this extreme ownership. Pretty soon everybody else is like, what? You mean I'm not on the hook? You mean I'm not being attacked? Well, and that opens up doors. Yeah. Yeah. That book is, uh, that's a great book. And we have actually talked about that being one of the books uh, we might do as our book club. We just hasn't made it quite there yet. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of good ones. One that I'm reading right now that I thought is, that I've just thought is absolutely great is uh, How to Talk to Anyone by Lael Loundon. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but uh, that's as close as I can get. L-E-I-L Loundon. All right, you're reading that now, How to Talk to Anyone, huh? Yeah, I'm reading How to Talk to Anyone, and that's a fun book. It has 92 specific points that are very actionable. Things like, uh, I show think Show interest it- in people is one of them, I'm sure. If you show interest in somebody, they, they're disarmed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. if I, if I, if I want to know about you as a person, there's no better way to validate you than me showing genuine. You can't, have, you can't be fake now, but, but if I show genuine interest in you, everyone loves that. Everyone loves it. One of the one of the tactics in the book, I think she calls it the uh, the baby pivot. And what it what it talks about is, say a baby crawls up to you, and you're in the middle of a conversation with another adult. A baby crawls up to you and starts crawling up on your leg. What do you do? You pivot hey, to that buddy. child. You say yep. hi. You play with the kid. You give him a big grin. Yes, the big baby pivot. And uh, if uh, if someone else walks up to you while you're talking to someone, pivot towards them. Say, hey, how you doing? Even if you've never met them, nice to meet you. Welcome them into the conversation. And when they feel acknowledged that way, I mean, that's a great way to start start talking to someone. And when you show interest in people, even if you don't know what to say, they start to talk about themselves. If you ask the right questions, it takes very few questions. And pretty soon even shy people will start talking. Oh, absolutely. Everyone, everyone likes telling you about, uh, about what they've done in their life, right? The things they've accomplished, the things they've gone through. Everyone loves talking about that. I mean, I know I do. But uh, because it's that easy, 
You can ask a few questions. You can make a new friend. You'll learn all sorts of fun stuff. I've learned all sorts of things from really cool people here at uh, here at Freedom Fest by just asking questions about, hey, what do you do? And uh, or another uh, great one is, uh, how do you like to spend your time? What what are you into? I learned about a uh, a young a young author right now who's writing a book on the the history of the Underground Railroad where he grew up. Yes. And so, I mean, really cool stories and really cool projects that people are involved in that you would never know that they're involved in if you didn't take the time to just ask, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a comfortable exchange of ideas. It's a combination of listening and sharing and speaking. It's always accompanied by humility and learning. You know, that's what we need to do. And one of the things I love the most about being a talk show host, Chase, and you'll identify with this, I love being able to get anybody on the radio anytime about any topic and just soaking up the knowledge, baby. Absolutely. It is just one of the best parts of the Absolutely. job. Absolutely. It is one of my favorites. I mean, the, the two things I really love about this is making so many cool friends that like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I met him and we had this conversation. And then when you think about the conversation, oh, wow, I learned a lot about that guy. So... Yesterday, I had a great, uh, a great moment where I talked to one of the volunteers who was running security in the front door. The guy had a great beard and a beautiful three-piece suit. His name's Brandon. And uh, I didn't know he was connected to anyone. I just made a good friend. And did you say, let's go, Brandon? <laughs> I wish I I'm had, just, actually, just, now that you mention it. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he, uh, it turns out he's running for state, I believe state congressman here as for the Libertarian Party of Nevada. Okay. And he's connected to all the big wigs in the Libertarian Party. And he's like, yeah, I'll introduce you to him anytime." I was like, I just thought you were a guy with a great beard and a nice three-piece suit, and I wanted to get to know you. And you never know. I mean, when you reach out and just talk to someone, give them a compliment to start the conversation. I mean, people, it's amazing how connected people can be or what, what you can learn and who else you can meet as a result of that conversation. And it's just, it's wonderful talking to people. So much fun. And then you get to tell him too that, hey, a, a, a simple ounce of gold back in Jesus' time, back in Moses' time, and today we'll buy one of those three piece suits. You know that, right? I didn't know that. And then you start talking about gold, and then you start talking about all kinds of wonderful things. I'm just telling you, the world's full of great people, ladies and gentlemen, even those you may not agree with. And the key is to learn how to tactfully and tactically have those conversations to bring out the best in everyone. You want to learn more? You want to keep an eye on that? You want to get involved in that incredible conversation? Here's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. You go to Chase Williams' website. He's the co-host of The TAC Show. That's The and then TAC, T-A-C, thetacshow.com. If you could tell the world anything, Chase, what would you say? I would say I want the world to maintain its freedoms via communication. I know war is, a, is one way that freedom is earned and won, but... At best, in the best world, I don't want everyone to be dying to that. I want people to communicate with each other. I want uh, people who are for gun rights and against gun rights, like when we went on Brady, to have conversations. And when she said, what would you like everyone to know? I said, I want them to understand that we're just people. My co-host, however, Remington, he said a great thing. He said, we who own guns, in a scenario where you're in danger and a shooter comes around, we're the ones who are willing to endanger our lives to try to protect you. So... Maybe don't be too hard on us. We're not, we're not trying to kill you. We're trying to protect you. And she said, wow, I, I honestly had never thought like that. Ladies and gentlemen, thetacshow.com. Check it out. Everybody's talking. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Chase. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live at Freedom Fest. Having a phenomenal time. Hoping you are as well. Whether you're on, what do you want to call it, campus? In the house? Whatever you are in Nevada. 
We are at the Mirage Hotel, the convention center, and it's packed full of wonderful people. And I got now Darleep with me. He is the county sheriff of a county in Michigan called Barry County, Michigan, uh, doing a great job as always. You're in your fifth term, aren't you, sir? That is correct. 18 years. Wow, man. That's a long time. You were in law enforcement before that, too, huh? Yeah, we've got 33, uh, going on 34 years now. All right. What shocked you the most in your whole stint, not only as sheriff, but in law enforcement as a whole? What shocked you the most? Anything? How deep the politics are. Really? I'm nasty. I, I got a saying, there's a right way, the wrong way, and then the political way in that order. <laughs> so it's worse than the wrong way. Oh, yeah. They're, they'll do something wrong, then they'll punish anybody who challenges them. And they'll also then deny it until they're forced to admit it. Then they'll admit it but have an excuse. And then they'll use everything they can to be above the law, right? <laughs> you scratch my back, I scratch your type of stuff. I, I got, got tired of it. That's why I ran for sheriff. Really? Yeah. When you ran for sheriff, it was uh, pretty rowdy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty dicey. I, I had some friends on the east side of the state that called me up and said it made the news all the way over there. So I figured it was a pretty hot contested race there. Now, when you became sheriff, you found out the state police were kind of the worst of the bunch, huh? Uh, the reason I bring that up is a lot of people think that general government's bad. There's a lot to that. But they always believe the state government's kind of good, and if we could just get back to the states. But the state cops are out of control, too, right? But not all of them. we got a lot of good guys that were out there. Okay. There's a handful that were out of control. And uh, uh, like when I first started, second day I was in office, I had a correction officer throw a bunch of pictures down on my desk, and, and there were booking photos. And... Uh, so I looked at him, and it looked like these people got in a car accidents. And uh, he says, nope, that's a condition that some of the troopers are bringing the guys in. And really, it was only one or two that was doing this. The rest of the guys were, were awesome. And uh, so I come out with an executive order for the jail saying we're not accepting anybody who's got injury until they're cleared from Pennock. And what that did is it dumped them. Cleared from Pennock, you mean the hospital? I'm sorry, yeah, Pennock Hospital. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and what that did is it put the medical bills back on them rather than us in the jail. What it also did, though, is kind of let them know, put them on notice that you're watching. Yeah, you, you finished what I was saying. <laughs> and, and you know what? You're watching, and look, um, there's a role to play here. And, and, you know, when you're a cop, it doesn't give you the authority to, to violate the law either. When you just beat people up, uh, what, to make a point, to prove your boss? I'm, I'm not sure what the, the right terms are. Um, but, hey, that's not acceptable in America. This isn't China. This is America. Yeah, that's correct. And... When you are in the executive branch, like law enforcement is, and you start punishing somebody, then you just take on the role of the judicial branch, too, because they're already guilty. And then, then you went back to the sheriff's job of actually uh, carrying out the punishment. How did the judges take it? I never went to the judges with it. We handled it. They got a new lieutenant in there, and I got to hand that lieutenant credit because we went from, uh, I forgot how many, resisting and obstructing charges, which is felonies in Michigan, and that's where you resist or obstruct a police officer. And he knocked it right down to almost zero. And uh, he did a really good job taking care of that for me. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So it just proves, folks, I know it seems like everything's good and you ignore it all. You deny it all. Or you say it's bad and everything's just, I mean, the fat lady's already sung it's over. It's just horrible. There's no solutions. The truth is in the middle. The truth is there are good people. What we got to do is just seek for them and work with them and uh, work to make them the ones that create accountability. Right? That is correct. And what, what tends to happen, too, is when you... Officers get around, they get their adrenaline going, and and uh, the guy's fighting with us, and everybody gets in there and gets a few licks in, and they get him handcuffed, and also they nobody stops them. And uh, that's what we're trying to do is 
train the officers to recognize that adrenaline dump that those officers are going through and maybe grab a hold of their belt and pull them back a little bit to get them off them and go handle it the correct way. Because that, that adrenaline dump does makes you do stupid things. Sure. How much does training have to do with this, too? Because it seems like a lot of the training is escalation, whereas, you know what, de-escalation training really needs to be part of the mix, doesn't it? Yeah, but there's times when you got to move and you got to go out and handle it immediately. Oh, sure. And if you got calls piling up, too, that are serious calls, you don't have time to go out and negotiate. Uh, that's a factor, too. So how does the average citizen like a me or, you know, the average Joe, how do we deal with it? Because sometimes if we feel like we're getting unfair attitude, and the same goes both ways, by the way, but unfair attitude, it starts it off on the wrong foot, and if you're not careful, it can get out of control. How do you rein that in, and how should the citizen act in a way that would be appropriate? I mean, I don't want a cop acting like I'm the enemy or that somehow I'm guilty of something. At the same time, there needs to be respect both ways, but you know what? The citizens get frustrated when they get treated like they're guilty of something or that they're somehow the enemy. Uh, you are correct. And what tends to happen is officers, even off-duty, will hang out with other officers, and they kind of get away from the reality part. Because what do we do when we're talking to officers? We tell fish stories, but it has to do with arrest. You know, you catch that fish and you... Uh, sure, mine was 36 it, inches long, but yeah. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what they do, then that tends to feed. And uh, then the other thing is, is like, remember that defund the police movement they had? Yes, I reject uh, it, but I'm very familiar with oh, it. Oh, my, my son had the perfect answer when he was in a uh, high school, and they were talking about it in one of his uh, classes. He says, why would you defund something that's been underfunded for decades? And that's part of the problem is we underfunded law enforcement so much that you burned your officers out. You made it to where they don't have time for training. And uh, then you go look at the breakdown of the family. And I can't express that enough to you guys that when there's a, uh, a structure of family, we tend to have fewer problems with those families there. When there's no structure, uh, fights on and you know people get hurt and so on yeah the members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the mormons i'm sure you've heard of them yes they um call the family the fundamental unit of society my goal is not to get off on religion my goal is really to highlight though it is really the fundamental unit of society isn't it yes it is and, and I think that's important to understand. As families break down, so will society. There's no way to prevent it if the family breaks down. You know what? Young men don't have leadership. They don't have somebody to look up to. They don't have the, the structure, the, the heavy hand of the father and the love of the mother kind of combined in, a, in an appropriate way uh, to where they know boundaries and they know when to stop. And they, uh, Without that stuff, it's tough. Especially for young men. If they don't have a father figure and all you dads out there, be a dad. Oh, my goodness. It's so important. And... They don't have this father figure in there. They don't know what it's like to be a man. They don't know what it's like to have a, a, a chain of command or uh, respecting a woman. Uh, they, don't, they don't have that guidance, and it's so important. All right. As we clean this stuff up, we get to election fraud. I know you've been at it for a couple of years now and stuff like that. What do you want us to know as citizens? There's light at the end of the tunnel. Really? We, you citizens need to stand. Don't stand behind your sheriffs. You stand with them. Make some noise. And uh, what I'm seeing so far, uh, if I were to make it a perfect world, I'd get rid of the uh, drop boxes and the computerized voting. That computerized voting is just so open to so much corruption. And it could be corruption at the beginning of the election, at the end of the election. Uh, it's just it, it's computers. You can program those computers to do anything you want. You can program to win by a certain... Uh, percentage point. Uh, you can program the computers to even make the uh, tabulators jam. And uh, yeah, it's just not a good system that we have right now. 
paper ballots is one of the great keys, in my opinion. Vote counters, I think, are really important, too. We need to stick with the precincts, not circumvent them with mail-in balloting. We need to stick with the precincts. And one of the most important things, I think, is what if these people are sworn to the count by the penalty of perjury? Oh, I never really thought about that. Because here's what I'm saying. If that's what it's required for me to file my taxes, man, that we ought to have that for the vote, for crying out loud, shouldn't we? Yeah. Well, in 1883, I was reading a case. It was a state Supreme Court court that decided it. And I can't remember if it was in Minnesota or if it was in Kansas. But what the Supreme Court said is if there is ballot box stuffing in that precinct, none of those votes count in that precinct. And maybe if we did something that drastic and make In other words, you just take them all the way out of the game. Yes. Because it's not fair to the other side. I hear this term voter suppression. I said, well, voter suppression pendulum swings both ways. If you cheat with a vote over here, don't you take a, a vote away from somebody in my county? For sure. Yeah. Now, that's serious. And there's all kinds of ways of voter fraud, too. Computers and machines are part of it. Uh, the 2,000 mules highlighted some of the ballot stuffing in boxes. But what about the nursing homes? And what about the dead people on the voter rolls? And, you know, uh, some people say the quintessential discussion about election fraud, vote fraud, um, campaign fraud, all that really starts and ends with the voter rolls. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, so you have to have the voter rolls have to be up to date and they have to be accurate. What about your county? Are you getting pushback on that or are you getting the voter rolls correct? <laughs> I'm getting pushback in every direction I can walk there. I don't understand why, though. Wouldn't everybody as Americans just want this to be right? Oh, get, let, me, let me rephrase that. The public is behind me. Uh, I'm mm. getting pushback from clerks because they're thinking that their election was perfect, but they don't know the stuff that I know on how this voter fraud can happen. And as long as their uh, tapes matched what their computer said, they were happy. And I'm sitting there going, uh, did you ever look at the statistics out here? Like we had uh, uh, in one township, we had, and it's a small township, we had almost 300 votes that come in that nobody can account for. Mm. Uh, you go look at countywide, we had four to 5,000 extra votes that we shouldn't have had. And that's just in a county of 66,000. Wow. And a lot of the um, clerks are giving pushback, too, because they're saying, hey, wait a minute, you're trying to make me guilty or act like I've done something wrong. And most of them haven't. No, um, no, no, no. Isn't that really the case? Yes, that is the case. They're worried that we're going after them. A lot of them have attorneyed up. Their attorneys tell them, don't even talk to us at all. And we're trying to get information from them. And it's not about uh, charging them criminally. They have information we need to complete our, our report. How do we... Uh, get them on our side, meaning say, hey, listen, you know what? Uh, we need you to, to kind of roll on this. We need to, to level with us. At the same time, we're not really trying to hold you responsible. We're not saying you've done something wrong. We're not trying to, in fact, we'll even, to some degree, give you a pass if something happened on your watch that you may not have really been aware of or, or whatever else. We're not going to try to dragnet you too. How do we do that in a way that can, um, I don't know what you want to say, move up the chain and make progress is what I might say. Oh, first of all, we have to educate these, especially the township clerks, on what their proper role is in their election. Secretary of State is not in charge of how they run their election. The Secretary of State is in charge of overall elections in Michigan. And there's certain duties from the, uh, I forgot what the, it was an act, I think it was in the 1950s. There's certain duties that are prescribed to the uh, township clerks, and they're very, very broad. And they need to understand those duties and how to uh, execute those duties. And one of them is talking about the voter registration. If they even suspect there's a problem with the voter registration, they've got this broad way of investigating it. They can report it to the police, the sheriff. They can even go to a third party. And a lot of them don't know that's, that's legal. 
And are, are a lot of these uh, clerks getting educated and then coming around to saying, okay, yes, I will provide support and help, but I do care? Uh, we're working on that. But, again, right now they don't talk to us because their attorney told us told them not to talk to us. Part of it, too, is our Secretary of State sent a whole bunch of emails, and they're right on the edge of being threatening to them. And uh, that Threatening to who? The clerks? The clerks, yes. It was right on that borderline where you sit there, hey, uh, time out here. Uh, at what point do I call an obstruction of my investigation? Well, and if it's borderline, but there's enough of it, it becomes not borderline. Uh, well, I agree. Where that goes, time will tell. But I'm just saying that's a, a very serious concern, too. What can we, the people, do to help you guys? Uh, again, you got to get behind us. you got to make some noise. you got to make some demands out there that uh, the the proper counting is done. Uh, you... Uh, Gonna have to start telling the news media and the big politicians to quit calling you stupid because everybody watched what happened November third and fourth when they shut down uh, all these swing states, just miraculously shut them down, and then all of a sudden the voting just flipped. How does it flip when you're not counting? I don't understand. That. Yeah, well, I hear you. Oh, they started counting again the next day. Yes, they did. And it, it was like, oh, come on. And there again, why is it that they certified the election? Uh, that TCF center when they had that truck back on in, and they also had a truck. Oh, oops, I can't talk about that one yet. Uh, <laughs> anyways, they had a truck back in with all these ballots in it. Why did they not stop the counting at that time and then take the rest of those ballots in the court? Well, and, and court call it battle? a crime scene, too. That's exactly. That's how I was going with it. Uh, the other question, too, is the January 6th they're trying to merge into this, too. And my problem is this. There might have been some bad actors in January 6th, okay? I believe there were some provocateurs there. Um, but most people were there peacefully and meant well. But here's the real bottom line. Congress never looked into what we asked them to. <laughs> Isn't that a problem? I think it's a distraction. They're up to something else. <laughs> but really, though, we asked them to look into it, and because yeah. of that, whatever happened, they acted like they didn't need to. They just certified it and never did the due diligence that the people were asking for. Well, the problem, too, you have is, is that our Constitution is very clear on people's rights. And you got these people who have been in that jail over there for a long time. And uh, they're supposed to have a right to a speedy and public trial. They're supposed to have a right to the attorneys uh, and a fair trial. They're supposed to have all these rights. Yeah, due process of law, yeah, really. Due process of law, thank you. And uh, with the uh, Patriot Act, they took it away. So they, what they do is they'll labor it as, label it as an insurrection or maybe they'll label you as a terrorist and they or say you don't have those. a lone wolf for these terms that are defined in the law that they use, too. Oh, yeah. Or another one I got a kick out of was the uh, uh, belligerent. That one cracked me up. I'm going, all right. Yeah, sometimes they call them vexious litigants yeah. or vexious this and vexious that. And uh, somehow they kind of make you believe that we're in wartime. Right. And uh, I don't know of any... I haven't de declared war against a country, but I feel like the country's declared war against me sometimes, you know? Well, we pray for you, my friend. We appreciate all that you do. There's a lot going on. We appreciate you being here. What did you think of the press conference we had a couple of days ago? Oh, very, very good press conference. I was surprised at the turnout. Very pleased. We had about 350-plus people in the room. We fed 320 people, and then we had uh, two streams live, literally millions of people live on both of those streams. I don't know if you realize that. Uh, I don't care. It's time to get the word out and let people know that there are some people out there who are willing to uh, investigate this stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, and Dar Leaf is one of them, currently sheriff of Barry County, Michigan, doing a phenomenal job. He's been investigating election fraud for two years. How long do you think it's going to last? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll always be investigating voter fraud. There's oh. too much of a divide in our country, 
And uh, we've got to find some way to get that all back. Ladies and gentlemen, one county at a time is the way we solve the problem. We work at it as Americans. We jettison partisan politics, and we stand behind the county sheriff of America's last hope. Darlie, thank you so much, sir. Oh, you're welcome. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live.